terms of fertility, and, and I've always been an empathetic person, but because I've been there and I know what it's like and I know that desire to have a child when you, when you can't have one and you're really struggling, I genuinely care about my patients and I want to see all of them have successful outcomes. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 162. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, hey, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. So happy to have you today. I hope that you're having a very plantastic day. Today, I have Lisa Simon as a guest on the podcast. Just a reminder that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a health professional. Well, Lisa Simon studied clinical nutrition and dietetics at Cardiff Metropolitan University for four years before graduating with first class honors in 2004. She has seven years clinical experience working in the NHS, providing care to patients in both the inpatient and outpatient setting. She now works at Plant-Based Health Online, and her special areas of interest are plant-based diets, gastrointestinal conditions, and male and female infertility. Lisa is passionate about providing compassionate care using all the pillars of lifestyle medicine in order to fully benefit her patients. And she wants everybody to know that she has just written a clinical update on diet and fertility in the British Dietetic Association Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics. So check that out. Uh, I think she's going to send us a link and we will put it in the show notes as well. So this episode is all about fertility, about Lisa's journey, how she discovered plant-based nutrition, what it changed for her, how it impacts fertility and how it can differ for men and women. We also talk about fat intake and we talk about soy and dairy, some specific questions I have that have come up about fertility. This is a great episode. It was such a pleasure to meet Lisa and to know that she's out there helping a lot of people. I know you're going to love what she has to say and I hope that it really helps you on your journey. And again, thank you for being here. So without further ado, let's dive in. Lisa Simon, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Super exciting. I am so excited to learn more about what you've learned through your experience about diet and fertility. But before we get into all the details and all of the good evidence-based information, tell us your plant-based story. How did you discover this way of eating and how has it impacted your life? 
Well, for for well over a decade, I, I suffered with an irregular menstrual cycle and it was it was pretty much non-existent. And my husband and I were trying to conceive for a couple of years and we ended up going down the IVF route. And it was during that time that I stumbled across plant-based nutrition because I wanted to do anything I could to try and improve my chances. And when I first found plant-based nutrition, I, I was really sceptical, I have to admit, um, because I'm a dietitian. And during my degree, we learned that animal protein is the best form and dairy is the best form of calcium. And I was concerned that I was going to give myself nutritional deficiencies. And if I fell pregnant, I was going to harm the developing baby as well. Um, but the more I read, the more I thought, well, hang on, there's something in, in this. You know, there's a scientific, um, there's scientific evidence. There's, it's, it seems to me pretty um, spot on. So giving up meat and, and fish wasn't really a problem. I didn't miss that at all. But dairy, I really struggled with. Um, and also, because I didn't really know much about it, I didn't want to give up the calcium and and risk you know, the baby because we were successful after the first round, which was which was brilliant. So then when my son was a few months old, I started the Winchester um, plant based course that Dr. Shrinka Sam has put together and learned more about plant nutrition there and eventually specialised but it wasn't until my little one was diagnosed um, before that time with, with cow's milk protein allergy that I actually gave up dairy because I was breastfeeding him. And I just never looked back. Um, and it had such a, a massive impact on me going fully plant-based because within two or three months, my periods returned. They were 28 to 30 days. Every month has continued that way ever since for the last two and a half years. And during the time where I didn't have periods, I tried everything to get them back. I tried gaining weight because even though I was a healthy weight, I was right at the lower end of the BMI range. I tried reducing the exercise I was doing. I tried eating healthily, which at the time was lots of lean meat and um, salads and, and, and you know various other things, low-fat dairy, but nothing worked. And it was only when I went fully plant-based that, that they came back and, and continued and it wasn't just my cycle. I noticed my energy levels improved. I wasn't getting the mid-afternoon slumps that I used to get. And really excitingly, my whole IBS, all of the symptoms disappeared within a few months. Initially, they were worse, which is used, which is normal. And then they, they disappeared and I've been fine ever since. So it made a huge impact on my life. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it's, it's interesting how animal products, and I know we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more later, can have such different effects on different people with some people, especially what I see in teenagers in the office with consuming excess dairy, they have the opposite, like heavy periods, lots of cramps, you know, periods that are lasting super long. And then it's possible whether it was dairy or something else for you that was causing the opposite, you didn't have a cycle, maybe you weren't ovulating, who knows what was going on there, but it's it's really interesting yeah. how that hormonal effect can do different things to different people. Really interesting, yeah. What do you think about it, about adopting a plant-based diet or learning about plant-based diets has been most surprising or eye-opening for you? I think the most surprising thing was how, di is how di diverse a plant-based diet is because I think before, I, I think a lot of people feel the same as that you're just going to end, be end, you know, end up eating salad and, <laughs> as my non-vegan friends call it, rabbit food. 
Um, but there are so many different ways and so many different meals that you can make out of plants. And it's so colourful and, you know, it's, it's, it's just brilliant. And my, I, I enjoy cooking more now. And when I look back at what I used to eat, it was just so boring and repetitive. And now my, my diet is, is just full of these amazing foods. Yes, I I agree 100% and I feel the exact same way. I feel like I eat a greater diversity of foods now than I did before I went plant-based. And isn't that the irony is that we're told that if we're only eating plants, it's very restrictive. You know, it's mind-blowing yeah, to think yes. that actually what happens is it gives us space to put in more diversity of foods because we're thinking outside of the box. Before, my thinking used to be, okay, what kind of meat are we having tonight? And um, what kind of, quote, carb am I gonna put with it and what kind of vegetable? So it was like, basically, are we having chicken, beef, pork? Those three choices, <laughs> uh, <Yes>. rice, potatoes, <laughs> green beans. It was like super limited. There were things I didn't even know no. existed, like whole grains and beans I didn't even know existed in the world that I do now because I think about food differently than centering each meal around animal muscle, you know? It is very, very ironic mm. that that happens. <laughs> it is, and it always makes me laugh when people say that it's a restrictive diet because, it's, it, as you said, it can't be further from yeah. the truth. It has, it has to be a paradigm shift, I think. I think it's when we're stuck in that way of thinking that this is the right way to eat there's no other way to think about it you know but once you free yourself from that you're able to broaden your horizons and think about food differently well let's dive into fertility then because i know that this is your passion and you really love to talk about it and study it so <laughs> tell me how does what we eat how does our diet specifically impact our fertility and how does it differ for women and men there's such a significant impact on fertility with with diet and it 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 starts before you even try to conceive so it starts with your your sexual function and sexual dysfunction is becoming more and more common and in men it's erectile dysfunction and in women more than 40 percent of women report problems associated with um lack of desire and vaginal lubrication and pain and discomfort during intercourse and for optimum sexual function it very much relies on good pelvic blood flow and for good pelvic blood flow your blood vessels need to be dilating properly and you need to have good cardiovascular health and these problems are more common in women who have chronic conditions like cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes um, and overweight and obesity so it's really important that we highlight, you know, cardiovascular maintenance is, is, is really important in terms of fertility. And then when you're looking at trying to conceive, there are so many nutrients in a plant-based diet that are really important in terms of fertility. But perhaps what's more important is what isn't in the diet. So things like heme iron, so that's the iron in animal products, and advanced glycation end products, which are in high amounts in animal products. And that's basically where protein molecules stick to sugar molecules in the body. And that can cause stiffening of the blood vessels, which can increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. But they, in terms of fertility, they also 
you have receptors throughout your body and, and men have receptors as well in the testicles and the women in the reproductive tracts also. And if in men, they can actually cause damage to the DNA in sperm. And in women, if they accumulate around the ovarian follicle, that can induce early ovarian ageing. And they can also attach to receptors in the uterus. And particularly in overweight women, this can cause an inflammatory cascade and actually prevent the egg um, from implanting or the embryo from implanting. So they have huge effects. And we have data, large data from the Nurses Health Study too. So this is a study that's been going on since 1989. And they followed over 100,000 nurses. And every other year they, they provide a questionnaire um, talking about any diseases they've developed during that time, their diet and their lifestyle um, habits. And from that uh, group, they looked at a subgroup um, of fertility and they found that women who had higher intakes of animal protein had also had higher um, ovulatory infertility. And they looked at heme iron as well. So women who had higher intakes of heme iron also had higher rates of ovulatory infertility and women who had higher rates of non-heme iron, so plant iron, had lower rates. So it's it's really important in terms of fertility to try and reduce your animal products and you know ideally cut them out altogether. Yeah. And you know, I when I was getting my questions ready for you, I was just doing a quick web search just to see what the average person is going to find out there about fertility. And I was actually surprised that many sources, and you know, these are the internet, the, you know, popular internet sources, right? It's not like studies or anything. But I was surprised that a lot of them really did say decrease animal products. So I feel like that's becoming a little bit more prominent. There were some other things that were very contradictory. <laughs> so I want to ask you more about that later. But I feel like maybe the word is getting out little by little that over consuming animal products can be harmful to fertility. Can you talk a little bit more about heme iron? I know that it it causes free radical like free radical damage. So you're saying that this leads more to inflammation because of that, or how it how exactly is the and heme iron which is coming from the blood cells of animal blood, right? So we can get iron mm -hmm. from plants, but it's a different mm -hmm. type of iron. The heme iron that's coming from animals is from their blood cells. So can you explain that a little bit more? So when you absorb heme iron, your, your body absorbs it a lot better than non-heme iron. But the problem is it can absorb it too um, well. And your body has a limited capacity to excrete the iron once it's been absorbed. And when you have high levels of heme iron, it has a pro-oxidative effect. So it causes inflammation, and oxidative stress. Yeah. And that can damage your cells and your DNA. And that includes sperm cells as well. And sperm is really, really delicate and it can it can easily be damaged by free radicals. So the heme iron can negatively affect sperm and it can also negatively affect the, the maturing egg as well. And non-heme iron doesn't, doesn't do that. And your body regulates the amount of non-heme iron that you absorb really well. So if you have sufficient stores, it absorbs less. And if you need more, then then it absorbs more. Yeah, that's what's really interesting about it, because I feel like we we have these debates from the medical and health community and different experts saying it's better to get it 
from an animal because it's already in the form that you can absorb. However, you also read if you get it from a bottle, which is essentially the same form as it is an animal, then it can be really toxic and harmful. So you can get it, get too much from an animal, you know? But whenever you get it from a plant, which a lot of animals are getting from plants, your body can regulate it better. And I think that's where the misunderstanding is. So yeah, we don't wanna be deficient in things. We don't wanna be anemic. We don't wanna be low in nutrients, but at the same time, trying to get the complete formed one that's easier to absorb can lead us to a path where we get too much and it actually creates an out of balance situation where it harms us. So it's super interesting. Exactly. And, and with non-heme iron as well, you just need to make sure you're having plenty of vitamin C with it and avoiding tea and coffee with meals and um, wine, which you really shouldn't be drinking anyway, if you're trying to conceive. Absolutely. But they're, they're really important factors to, to be aware yeah, of. Yeah, and I think with the whole iron thing, there's um, a lot of myths anyway about how you know eating plants makes you increase risk for iron deficiency, but multiple studies show that that's not the case, that as long as you're eating yeah. foods that do have iron in them, plant foods that do have iron in them, then you uh, many people are going to be sufficient in their iron stores. So I think that's important for people to know. Let's talk about men and why we should include men in the conversation about fertility. A lot of times we talk about fertility problems and we're focusing specifically on women. Of course, you know, it's obvious that women are the ones carrying the baby. So maybe it puts a little bit more of the conversation on them. But why should we also be talking about men? I'm really passionate about getting men in, included in the, in the conversation because I think that it can be a taboo subject and that men can feel ashamed or embarrassed if they're suffering with fertility problems and it really shouldn't be that way and we look now there's there's 50 percent of infertility cases are caused by male infertility factor and of that 50 percent around 40 percent are caused by diet and lifestyle mm -hmm. so it takes two to make a baby men contribute half of you know half towards a baby so it's really important to get their sperm health optimized as well and it takes around 90 days to create um sperm and unlike women who have all the eggs they will ever have at birth which is crazy men are developing new sperm all the time so i always say it's that three-month period before you try even try to conceive that you need to make these diet and lifestyle changes and with men there are so many nutrients and they're, they're quite similar to women as well, to the, to the nutrients that women need. But there are some that men need to be extra aware of. So zinc, for example, because their requirements are higher than women's because they lose zinc in each ejaculate. So they really need to make sure that they're optimising their zinc intakes and their non-heme iron levels as well. That's really important because a deficiency in that can cause reduced libido, which obviously you don't want if you're trying to conceive. And it can also negatively affect the sperm health as well. And where can we find zinc in a plant-based diet? So zinc is in lots of things. So whole grains and seeds are an excellent source of, of zinc. And I always advise men to have a handful of seeds every day as a snack or in their breakfast, or you can eat you know, even put seeds in a smoothie. Um, and zinc, you can optimize the absorption from zinc really easily. And it's the same with all of the minerals. So if you're using dried lentils, 
um, or dried chickpeas and dried beans. You soak them overnight and you can even sprout them. And I think sprouting is one of those things that people are quite scared of, but actually it's such a simple process. And once you've got the hang of it, you realise you don't need specialist equipment. It's it's really, really easy as long as you remember to keep rinsing it because the first time I did it, I forgot and it just <laughs> went mouldy and, and awful. Um, so there are loads of sprouting videos online as well that, that you can look at. But you basically just need a jar with a hole, uh, with lids with the holes, or you can put a cheesecloth over the top, something you can drain the water out. And then you just throw in your dried grains or legumes and then soak them overnight. And then you just keep rinsing, draining, rinsing, draining twice a day until you have sprouts. So it's, it's not a difficult process and that increases the absorption, the bioavailability of the zinc and the calcium and the other minerals. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family dryami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. And then you can just throw those sprouts in your salads and your wraps on top of your, you know, plant-based burger, whatever. It goes in all kinds of things. So you just have to remember to add a little bit to, to everything that you're eating. Yeah, it is, it is ironic yes, exactly. that we usually associate meat eating with virility. You know, but what you're telling me is that men also need to be conscious about getting more non-heme iron because that sperm is very susceptible to having the heme iron. And I had never heard anybody talk about that. So that's super interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. And, and another thing that's really important for men are antioxidants because they are what protect the sperm once it's formed. Mm. So they are in pretty much every food you can eat in a plant-based diet. So plenty of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and, and everything that makes up a plant-based diet. So basically the antioxidants are the sperm bodyguards. So if you, if you want are. your sperm to survive, you got to get those antioxidants in there. <laughs> That's a great way of explaining Love it. it. <laughs> so what you're saying is 50% of infertility is derived from the male. And 40% of that is from diet and lifestyle. What is it that is happening to men? Are they having low sperm counts or just the sperm aren't functioning as well? Or is it just like a variety of things that's happening with the sperm? I think it's just a variety of things. And as I said, it can be so easily damaged and DNA fragmentation is a common thing. Um, and motility problems and, and concentration and all of these nutrients in a plant-based diet can can help protect that sperm and to to improve those parameters mm -hmm. um and i don't think men are aware of this you know it's, as you've said it's not commonly spoken about the focus very much tends to be on the yep. woman and there are so many other things like fish consumption we don't know what effects the pollution the pollutants are having the microplastics environmental factors as well so household cleaning products and making sure you're rinsing your fruit and vegetables really thoroughly with water. 
and looking at even things when you're in your car, not parking too close to the car in front if you're in traffic because those fumes are coming through. Mm. So giving a good gap, you know, it's, there's, there are so many things that, that are free radicals that, that cause damage in, in the body and to the spirit. Yes, there's so many factors in our lifestyles that just damage and you know, cause damage constantly you know even just radiation when we go on a plane things that i never used to think about before but i think you're right and when i was doing that little web search just to see what people are seeing out there i would say the majority of the articles were directed towards women of course women are probably the ones that are most likely out there reading these articles so maybe that's why it's biased in that way but i don't think i saw barely any that were speaking directly to men and what they could do to optimize their fertility so they kind of just get left out and it's just all blamed on the poor woman so Exactly. So let's talk um, back up a little bit and talk more about what diet and lifestyle changes. I know we've gone through some of the whys and hows these things get caused, but what are some things that couples can do specifically to improve their health and fertility? So first of all, I'd say that every change is positive change. So even making small changes will make a difference. And it's very, very rare for someone to suddenly switch to a plant-based diet overnight because you're looking at people who have followed their diets for Mm. their whole lives. And if you suddenly say to them, right, you've got to cut out everything overnight, that's not sustainable. Most people won't keep that going. So I normally say if you're going to make changes, the first thing that should go are red and processed meats because for general health as well as for fertility because processed meats are a carcinogen so they are cancer causing and they contain lots of nasty components and red meat as well so you know again the heme iron and the advanced glycation end products and the meat is is the highest source of these ages and you know when you dry cook meat and you get that brown layer so if you're frying or you're barbecuing or grilling that is the ages forming and it's even when you toast bread, you know, the brown layer on the toast, that's ages forming as well. Not as high as in in, in meat. But I, I say to my patients usually that if you want to be extra careful, then just have bread as it is. Avoid toasting. And when you're having um, nuts, avoid the dry roasted nuts and have the, you know, the nuts in their whole form. Um, so that's a great place to start. And I also say if if a patient really doesn't want to give up meat, if they're not ready to give up meat, then at least use a method of cooking that introduces water. So poaching or um, steaming fish or, you know, anything that that introduces that moisture there that stops those ages from forming. And then I'd also say another important thing to try and give up is, is your sugary drinks and trying to reduce the added sugars in your diet, because, again, they are really high sources of ages and also added sugars and not good for us in general. Um, so they're the two main things that I say to start off with and then making gradual changes then. And when you're looking at um, plastic, that's, you know, the BPA in plastic is known to affect fertility. So avoiding plastic bottles, especially water bottles where the plastic leaches into the water and you don't know how it's stored in the shop where you buy it from it could be stored in direct sunlight which makes the problem worse and also of course it's terrible for the environment so avoiding heating anything in a microwave in plastics getting bpa free or preferably 
avoiding um, plastics altogether. Yeah, I'm really surprised by how many people regularly drink water out of bottled water bottles. I don't know if I said that right, but you know, just like water bottles you buy from the store, you know, there's people that that's the only way they drink water. And, um, I think obviously from the plastic consumption part, it's not good for your body. It could cause all of these, you know, endocrine disruptors to come into your body. But I just think of the waste. Oh, it breaks my heart. So I actually, I have a Berkey filter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they sell those where you are, but it's a, it's a really strong carbon filtration system. And I have one at my office and one at my house. And I love it because the water tastes amazing, but the filters last for seven years. So that cuts down on a lot of waste. The water tastes great. I use it for all my cooking and all our drinking. And we even fill up our our (laughs) camping water. It's Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y. So, and they're, they're great. I love them. But I think a lot of people just, it's a habit that they have that we're just going to go to the store. We're just buy bottled water and that's the water. Cause you know, a lot of people don't like tap water cause yeah, it doesn't taste great. But if you buy a filtration system, it doesn't have to be expensive. Even they have cheaper ones. Um, and that way it can save you on that. And then you don't get as much exposure to plastics, but those are all really, really great tips. Thank you for that. Let's talk about diet changes and which ones may impact hormones because this comes up a lot in discussions. Well, I'm afraid to change my diet because I'm told it's going to mess up my hormones. And I hear that specifically about fat too because in the United States, the standard American diet is pretty high in fat. It's like 40% fat. So whenever we talk about you know decreasing our fat intake, eating more whole plant foods, those kinds of things, the first question is, isn't that going to mess up my hormones? So what do you know about fat content and hormones? Like what is a good amount? What is too much? What is too little? I'd love to know what you know about that. So there are three things that I would say are important for for good hormone levels, and that's fibre, which you can only get in plants, maintaining a healthy weight and getting adequate fat. So I'll go through each of them in turn. So fibre is really, really important because your liver is a detox organ and it will filter out the toxins in in the body that it doesn't want and excess hormones and, and anything else. And they get... Um, secreted out into your gut and if you have enough fiber in your gut it will bind with the excess hormones and remove them in your stool if you don't have enough fiber it just they get recycled go back into the system and you are still having these excess hormones and it's especially important for women with hormone driven conditions like endometriosis and polycystic ovaries Mm. so fiber is super super important and we should be aiming for 30 grams a day and most people don't know what that is so you should just be aiming for as many different plant foods as you can throughout the day. And as long as you're getting a healthy, balanced plant-based diet, you'll, you'll be getting adequate fibre. And with weight, it's, it's really important to try and maintain a healthy weight. So if you're underweight or if you're overweight, you can have hormonal imbalances and absent or irregular periods. And if you're if you become pregnant when you're underweight, your baby is more at risk later in life of, of certain diseases, so cardiovascular disease and renal disease, because your the nutrients are directed away from those organs and towards the developing brain, because that is developing so quickly, it needs all of the nutrients 
it can get. And if you are overweight when you become pregnant, then you are more at risk of um, pregnancy complications and, and birth complications as well. So trying to maintain that healthy weight is important for hormones. And with fat, it's one of those things, there's there's a lot of fat phobia around as well. So we have to, fat is really important, but the right type of fat. So unsaturated fats and not saturated and trans fats, because both of those have been shown to adversely affect fertility in, in both men and women. And with the right types of fats, for women, it seems to be monounsaturated fats that are more important. So that's your avocados and um, olive oil and olives. Um, and for men, it is the polyunsaturated fats because sperm is predominantly polyunsaturated fat like your brain. So having adequate intakes of those are really important. So that's your omega-3s, your um, flax seeds, hemp seeds, chia seeds, walnuts, leafy veg. You can get some in tofu and soya as well um, and it's just about getting the right amount so you don't want to be getting loads and loads of unsaturated fat because both saturated and unsaturated have the same calories per gram so they all have nine calories per gram and um, so they are energy dense but it's important for the absorption of fat soluble vitamins um, and vitamin d and vitamin e are especially important in terms of fertility and Every cell in your body needs it and you need it to create and to make hormones. So I always say to people, look at the composition of your plate and aim for almost half of your plate of as many different colourful vegetables or fruits as you can. But leave a little slither of that for, for a healthy source of fat and then have your quarter of the plate whole grains, quarter of the plate minimally processed um, protein sources. So just include a little slice of unsaturated fat with every meal so for your breakfast that could be adding chia seeds to your porridge for lunch you could have a, you know a third of an avocado chopped up on the side and for your dinner you could drizzle tahini over your roasted vegetables so just having those amounts of fat in in the day will benefit your fertility and now for a very important message Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, 
how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like it's at the level of a keto diet, which I feel like is mostly fat, like most of your plates, all this fat, (laughs) and then, you know, very little of anything else. So I think that's kind of where it gets confused is trying to find a moderate amount that's enough to support your health, support your vitamin absorption, but not overdoing it. Because I think whenever you overdo it, that also can cause problems. And it, it, you know, uh, crowds out the fiber. And I think you starting with the fiber was, I'm glad that you went there because fiber is my favorite F word. And that is our number one deficiency here in the United States is fiber. Most people are not even getting close to the amount of recommended fiber and they have no clue where fiber even comes from (laughs) so that's why i say just whole plant foods whole plant foods whole plant foods you can't go wrong just focus on eating more whole plant foods you're going to get more fiber that way exactly and and what really troubles me is that low carbohydrate diets are often peddled for fertility for improving fertility and they I've heard of a lot of fertility clinics actually advising their patients to follow a low carbohydrate diet and the problem is you get rid of a load of fiber, but also what are you replacing the fiber with? And that tends to be animal proteins. So low carbohydrate diets are the worst thing you can do for your fertility. So please do not, do not even think about following a low carbohydrate diet, but just the right carbohydrates are also important. So as much as you can, um, whole grains. Yes, which I think is another misunderstanding. Right now, this month, I've been covering information about whole grains on my social media and through my newsletter. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what a whole grain is. Whenever you ask people, and I learned this when I did cooking classes as well, because I would have people, I'd go through all the different categories, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, and have people list them out so they can think of what can I include in my diet, whole grains. People could not think of anything besides whole wheat bread. And so I think now we think about grains and we think about ultra processed packaged foods, which is not even near the amount of nutrients that an intact whole grain is because it's everything's been taken away. Everything that has the fiber and the vitamins and antioxidants, it's been taken away in the refining process to make this white flour that you can easily manipulate, add a bunch of fat and salt and sugar to, to make this ultra processed food. That is not a whole grain. (laughs) So we're talking about things like brown rice and barley and, you know, some corn, you know, different things like that. Those are whole grains. Oatmeal, which is one of my favorites that I have for breakfast every morning. Those are whole grains. (laughs) It's not the bread and the cookies and the crackers. That is not whole grains. (laughs) Wanted to take a little intermission there to talk about that. Okay. So another hot topic, which comes up all the time Mm -hmm. is soy, specifically about fertility. So what can you tell me about soy and fertility? And is it positively, negatively, neutral, affecting men and women? Well, soy is one of those ones, isn't it, where 
there are so many myths surrounding it. And with fertility, it is absolutely positive in with relation to, to fertility. So there was the largest review to date in 2019, and this didn't look specifically at fertility, but it found it looked at 100, I think it was 114 meta-analyses and of human studies as well, which is really, really important. Um, and they found that soy consumption was associated with a lower risk of many chronic diseases, so cardiovascular disease and male and female specific cancers and other cancers, and also um, reduced severity and frequency of hot flashes in peri and postmenopausal women. And there was another um, review last year, so that looked at 41 um, studies, so it's a meta-analysis of 41 studies. And they look specifically at hormone um, hormones in males, so estrogen and testosterone and, and sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that whose job it is to kind of catch hold of all the excess hormones and keep them until they're needed. Um, and they found absolutely no um, adverse effects on, on male hormones with moderate or normal consumptions of soy. So they, it was up to three servings a day. And I always recommend two servings of, of soy a day. And the studies that, that people always refer to that, you know, they cause feminization in, in males and affect their fertility, they were either studies done on rats, which you can't transfer to humans, or they were very, very small studies where the men were fed ridiculous amounts of, of soy a day, so up to 12 servings a day. So if you think that a, a serving of soy milk is 200 mils and a serving of tofu is 80 grams, you're looking at over a litre of soy milk a day and over 400 um, grams of, of soy, of tofu a day, which you would never recommend to, to anyone. So it's completely safe and should be um, included in the diet. And loads of studies have, have shown that the earlier you introduce soy, the more beneficial the health effects. So if you have children, giving them soy from a young age. And my two-year-old has had soy as his main drink um, pretty much since birth and also um, has tofu all the time. And I have no concerns about giving him yeah that. same here we drink soy milk at home just because i love how naturally creamy it is without having to add any thickeners or anything to it and my sons love tofu exactly. when i cook it i have to portion it out otherwise they eat it all before me and my yeah. husband can have any so to fight my kids over food oh, but it's so yummy amazing so thank you for for giving us more information on that because it is a very common question let's move on to dairy Dairy, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna yes. full disclosure. I'm biased because I am not a lover of the dairy for especially the pediatric population. But there's definitely mis mixed messages online. So when you look up dairy online, I see a lot of recommendations to focus on full fat dairy rather than low fat dairy. Um, and then there's you know some that say dairy is good, some that say dairy is bad. So what information can you give us about dairy and mm -hmm. fertility? Dairy is an interesting one because there is lots mm -hmm. of conflicting um, data out there. And the recommendations for full fat dairy come from the Nurses Health Study too, um, again. So I actually listened to um, Shavaro, who's the, the lead author of that study, um, doing a talk on Sunday to a fertility summit. And he was going through the data and they did find, and he thought this was surprising, that women who had higher intakes of full fat dairy 
had better rates of fertility than, than women who were having low-fat dairy. But he did say that he wouldn't recommend that women trying to conceive ate dairy based on that data because other studies have found completely um, contradicting uh, results. And we can't say that dairy itself adversely affects fertility because we don't have the data, we don't have the, you know, the, the, the definitive results. But what we can say is that various components of dairy can affect um, fertility. So it contains bovine growth hormones, which were never meant for human consumption. It contains insulin growth factor, saturated fat, cholesterol. And those two things in particular increase the risk of obesity, overweight, cardiovascular disease, which, as I explained at the beginning, can cause sexual dysfunction and you know, problems um, relating to fertility. So the main reason that, that dairy is peddled is for the calcium content and also for the protein. But there are so many safer ways to consume calcium. And actually, some plant sources of calcium are better absorbed than dairy calcium. So you're looking at fortified milks and yogurts, calcium set tofu, a huge number of leafy greens. The only real common exception is spinach um, and Swiss chard because of the oxalates, for, you know, reducing the, the calcium availability. But also chia seeds and tahini, sesame seeds, almonds, nut butters. There are so many ways to, to get calcium into the diet and you, you don't have to have dairy to do that. Yeah, it's super interesting. I was wondering when I was seeing those recommendations and what had come out in that study, is if it's just a comparison of like two evils and which one's the lesser evil. Because one of the things we know about low fat dairy is that the casein protein is concentrated because, you know, they're taking out the fat. So it concentrates the casein protein. And that's why for it's hypothesized that for some things like acne, the low fat dairy actually makes acne worse than full fat. And so that was something that was just kind of going through my mind while I was reading that, but it, it's super interesting. But what's really ex exciting as well is that the, the Nurses Health Study 3, which started, I think, around 2010, um, they are looking specifically at fertility oh. and fertility treatment as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see that data when, when it's published. Yeah, that's good. Definitely needed right now. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that for men, especially because it takes 90 days to create sperm, that they really need to be thinking ahead for their fertility, doing what they can to optimize their health, change their diet and their lifestyle. So tell me more about the importance of couples thinking about this ahead of time, preconception, when they're working on their diet and lifestyle changes. Yeah, it's, it's really important. And the, the earlier, the better, really. And, and when patients come to me, I always say, you know, give it three months before you start trying to conceive again. And I always encourage the, the male to attend the initial consultation. And most of the time that doesn't happen, I have to say. But if they don't feel comfortable attending, then I will always discuss with, with their partner their diet habits, their lifestyle habits, and I will give her advice for um, her partner so that all bases are covered. Um, and it's, I just wish that the that, that, that couples knew that there was so much that, that can be done because what you eat matters and what you do matters in terms of your lifestyle. And 
before going down that fertility treatment route, which can be massively expensive and also puts you on this huge emotional roller coaster that can affect every part of your body, can affect your relationship. Because, I mean, I, I remember when I was going through the treatment, sometimes I just wanted to to strangle my husband. You know, I was so, my hormone levels were just, I turned into this raging, just crazy person. And it does put a lot of, of stress on your relationship and and financial um situation and there are so many things that can be done to try and optimize your fertility and and I'm really passionate about getting that out there and 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 highlighting that to couples yes um for sure and I've heard that before I myself haven't gone through those treatments but I heard that the irritability and the anger and the mood swings are intense so you add that on top of financial strain on top of heartbreak that you've had over and over again and that's a very stressful journey but Thankfully, we do have these medical treatments that can help people. But at the same time, what you're trying to say is that you want people to feel empowered, that there are things that they can start doing. They can optimize things in their own lives to take the power back into their hands and try to help themselves as well in this journey. What do you wish more couples knew about fertility? I think just that really, that, that there is so much that they can do themselves and and it's it's so important to get the right advice and the evidence-based advice because there is so much damaging information out there and couples are being given fertility advice by people who really shouldn't be giving them fertility advice because they don't they aren't specialists in that area and they don't know the evidence base and they're not referring to the evidence base and it's it's just so important to to go to to a person who is genuinely trying to help you and and knows what they're talking about yes thank you so much for that well lisa this has been great you have such great information and i can tell that you're so caring and so passionate about this so i'm really grateful that you're out there helping people but i'd love to know what personal habit you're most proud of and why do you know that's a really hard question um and but i would say my empathy because in, in terms of fertility, and, and I've always been an empathetic person, but because I've been there and I know what it's like and I know that desire to have a child when you, when you can't have one and you're really struggling, I genuinely care about my patients and I want to see all of them have successful outcomes. And I never give false hope. And I always say to them that following this diet and making lifestyle changes is not going to guarantee that you get pregnant. Nothing can do that. What it will do is optimise your chances of conceiving. And I'm always in touch with my patients. So I always say, email me whenever you want. Um, you know, I'm not going to charge you for, for emailing me. And I've had some really lovely um, correspondence recently where I saw where quite a few of my, my patients have become pregnant. And recently this this amazing lady that I've been seeing for a good few months now so starting starting last year and she had two miscarriages one after the other and she emailed me the other day to say that she'd had her first scan and that she'd seen the arms moving and it was just the best (laughs) the best email Um, and it really makes me happy and we focus a lot on um 
stress management in the consultations because it's a stressful process and you if you're going through fertility treatment that's a stressful process so using techniques that you know that can help reduce that stress is is so important oh that's so wonderful how beautiful that you get to have a gratifying career where you're helping people do something that you know exactly what it feels like you know exactly the stressful parts you know exactly the the joys and how that feels when you are able to conceive and bring your pregnancy to term so yeah, that's that's wonderful. I love that empathy. It goes a long way whenever you're out there helping people and putting your time out there to to really bring other people well-being and joy. And the other thing that occurred to me too that you were saying that of course there's no guarantees. And I say this too, I remind people that being plant-based is not some sort of like bulletproof thing that it just, you know, that you can never get sick, but the side effects are pretty good, you know? You know, you you feel good, you have more energy, you sleep good, you digest better. So it's not like you're superhuman, but even if you decide to eat this way to see if it's gonna help you with something, usually all of the related effects of it are positive. So that's that's a good thing about it, that it's not going to be this thing that makes you feel bad and, you know, as some of the other diet changes might. Yeah. Absolutely. Lisa, this has been great. I know that my listeners are going to want to find you and connect with you and find all your information. So tell me how listeners can connect with you and what services and off- and services and products do you offer? So I'm I'm on social media, so mainly Instagram. I'm very active on there. So that's Lisa Simon RD. Um, I think it's Lisa.Simon underscore RD, if I remember. Um, and you can also contact me via plant-based health online so that's the company i work for so that's plantbasedhealthonline.com um you can either book an appointment there or you can book a free inquiry call with me so that's a 10 minute um quick chat where where you can find out whether you know we're a good fit or I, how i can help you um so they're the the main um methods of of contacting me and feel free to message me on Instagram as well, because lots of people do to <laughs> to, to find out. Um, awesome. And then for people that would like to see you as a dietitian, what are the restrictions there? Do they have to be from the UK or can it be from anywhere? No, I can see people abroad, but unfortunately not from America or Canada. Aww. Um, but anywhere else we're left we feel so left out my insurance doesn't cover me I know I'm sorry okay but everywhere everywhere besides United States and Canada sounds like well maybe someday that would be great okay hopefully this has been so wonderful if you can give us one call to action for the week what is one thing we can do this week to improve our lives take some time out to relax and I'm a I'm a huge believer in um, meditation and breathing techniques. And our lives are so busy, and I'm guilty of this. I I I do not stop from day to day. And stress is such plays such a you know, negative role in all of your health and especially you know and fertility. So if you can just take five minutes out of your day to just sit down, do a guided meditation if that helps. It helps me because my mind is always racing and I'm rubbish at just meditating by myself. So find a really good channel. I always recommend the Honest Guys on YouTube because they do some lovely 
short five minute mm. meditations um, where they take you along a beach or through a forest and they do um, affirmations and, and positive visualization as well, which is lovely, or just do a lovely simple breathing technique. So four seconds in through your nose, hold your breath for two seconds and then exhale through your mouth for six seconds. And anything you can do to just take time out and, and relax is, is, is going to benefit every aspect of your health. Uh, I love that. And I think so many people need that. They need permission to take a break. But I think it helps to know that when we do that, when we take time for ourselves, it improves our well-being. And when we feel good, we can transmit and give more joy to the rest of the world, to our families, to our children, to the people that we serve. So I think a lot of people feel selfish about it, but it's selfish not to do it <laughs> because it makes you a happier person. Exactly. So It really does. It really does. Lisa, thank you so much for your passion and for your love and for your empathy. I appreciate everything that you do. And thank you so much for being on Veggie Doctor Radio today. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you. And same to you. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.